wow, there's something inside of you that knows what you need. Your body is intelligent. And sometimes um, that takes precedence over all the other stuff. You're listening to the Self-Adore Podcast, hosted by Ellie Vannon and Clea Martin. Our mission is to inspire you to step into your magic and allow self-love to flow into your world. Our transition into becoming full-time entrepreneurs sparked our journey into a deeper practice of self-love. On this pod, we'll cover topics ranging from self-care, wellness, passion, mindfulness, and personal growth. We'll share our own experiences and bring on fabulous guests that will shift the conversation around self-love, making it feel more inviting and empowering. Stay tuned for a new episode each week that will inspire you to self-adore. Thanks for spending time with us. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome to the Self Adore podcast. We are in Palm Springs, California, recording today. It's so beautiful outside. Oh my God. Oh my God. We love Palm Springs. This is just such a special place for both of us. So many of our ideas have bloomed in the desert and in Palm Springs in particular. And I don't know, every time I'm here, I just have a whole new sense of creativity and Mm -hmm. balance. Why do you think that is? I, is it the heat? The heat, <laughs> yeah. The sweat, yeah. <laughs> sweating out the toxic. The plants. I it's, think it's the, the nature. nature. Yeah. I think it's just also the energy of the desert. Like there's something so magical about the desert. Mm-hmm. It, it's like such a scarce place, but there's something, I don't know, there's something so peaceful and serene about mm-hmm. it and the quietness like you're really able to silence the noise in the desert yeah you don't hear like all the cars going by you don't hear the noise of the city you're really just kind of forced to appreciate the nature of the beauty yeah even just your thoughts though too like silencing everything I think that you think about like it seems to just kind of come to a halt in the desert yeah that this was where self-adore was born this was where honey and bee was born we went on um, a trip two years ago we rented a little airbnb in joshua tree it was called cactus mountain it was literally like two years to the two day. years to the day yesterday was the two-year anniversary um and that's when our self-love journey really began truly it really in did cactus mountain like looking back at that that was such a pivotal weekend for us and something something about the desert just opens up your space for creativity and passion to be born and um yeah what did we we made a delicious meal it It was like a lemony arugula pasta inspired by Chrissy Teigen oh and (laughs) you know what else we had a bowl of cherries we We did. did And cherries are kind of like the theme of self-adore, like this bold, fierce fruit, the color, just the energizing factor of them, Mm -hmm. something about that fruit we just love. And it's sort of like the anthem of self-adore. And I was looking at the pictures of... We did have cherries. We literally had a bowl of cherries. How weird, yeah. What is that like? um, Foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh 
Oh my gosh. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be the desert for you. Like we just encourage you to find that place where you can hear, you know, your soul speak to you and you can really connect with your thoughts. So we invite you to explore that. Yep. Later today, we are going to buy a crystal each, um, something that we do when new ideas are starting to form and new things are starting to take shape is we always invite a crystal into our lives. And so today feels like a really great day to do that. There's an awesome crystal shop in downtown's Palm Springs. And sometimes Clay and I like buy one for each yeah, other. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, we, when we were in, um, traveling last year, we stumbled upon a crystal shop and she bought a crystal for me like in secret. Yeah, we were in the same <laughs> store and I was like, don't look. Don't look. So maybe we do that today. Yeah, That would should. be kind of fun. Yeah. We'll let you know what we end up getting. But yeah, bringing the new energy into our our lives is something that we're going to do today. Let's talk about our restaurant experience yesterday. Oh, so in Palm Springs, there is, we stumbled upon this restaurant like totally by accident. Ellie found it, like yeah. randomly. We are going to go to a smoothie place and then... Um, she just looked next door and she was like, wait, now we have to go here. We have to go here. It's hidden. It's like tucked away. It's called farm. And they are seriously like a hidden gem of Palm Springs. It's never, I mean, I guess it is crowded sometimes, but it's never overly crowded. Mm -hmm. It's not, um, overwhelming at all. The inspiration of this beautiful restaurant was the south of France Mm -hmm. so you walk in off the street of of the main road in Palm Springs and you kind of are just transported completely transported transported into this beautiful little land there's flowers everywhere there's flowers up the the fence it kind of look literally looks like the countryside of there are, like, like France. there are birds chirping just the most beautiful flowers in the most insane pastel colors that you've ever seen just the the energy there everyone's smiling laughing the food smells insane mm-hmm. right when you walk in the food you can smell the food right away and the dishes like I really oh, love kind of mixed match oh, yeah. dishes mm-hmm. they have like beautiful crystal pink glasses and also some bright like purples and blues and, and then the they napkins. have napkins <laughs> it's just such a special place and that really brings Clay and I together because we both bond over travel and experiencing new things together and so I feel like that's kind of become our favorite little getaway yeah totally so highly recommend farm if you are in Palm Springs yeah what should they order okay we love the crepes there we got um, a savory crepe last time the lemon butter sugar crepe is out of this world Mm. I got the eggs benedict yesterday and Ellie got the eggs florentine and that was really tasty we went for brunch um, oh, they're waffle oh, though. The chicken and waffles. Oh, they do like a different <laughs> spin on the chicken and waffles, but their waffle oh. has chunks, like <laughs> little tiny balls of crystallized sugar. Mm. They told us that was the trick. So, oh, yeah, that's a good one. You got to get the chicken and waffles. This is a special episode for us. Let's dive in. We're so excited to be interviewing the lovely ladies behind the Courageous Wellness podcast, Ali French and Erica Stein. 
We met them back in January at the Love Beauty Wellness Festival and were absolutely blown away by their passion for wellness, their lovely energy. They were so, so sweet and just had so much positivity to offer. So we're so excited to dive into this. Yeah, they're so welcoming and warm as well. We really feel like you're going to feel that energy through this interview. On the Courageous Wellness Podcast, they share their own wellness journeys with strength and courage. They chat everything wellness, and you can really hear their passion shine through. They have some amazing guests, so please check it out. We'll have the details in our show notes. We are also just really inspired by their ability to be so authentic and really stand in their power and own their voice. Their approach on wellness is truly one of a kind, and I think that they approach it in a way that isn't always talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, They connect the mind, the body, the soul, and are really interested in sharing a positive message and making wellness feel a lot more achievable, which is something that we also believe in here at Self Adore. So we are totally aligned with them and we cannot wait for you to hear this episode. We hope you enjoy it and find some value in what these wonderful women have to share. We absolutely felt so powerful. We felt like this was so powerful and uh, their insights are just uh, amazing. So stay tuned to hear interesting topics like wellness, trusting your intuition, tuning into what you need, how to shut out the negativity, intuitive eating, and so much more. Hi, ladies. We are so excited to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. We're so, so happy you're here. We're happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Why don't you maybe just like say who each of you are so for our listeners, they can know whose voice is coming from who. (laughs) So my name is Erica and um, together with Ali, we co-host the Courageous Wellness Podcast. And, you know, My personal health and wellness journey began um, from a 50-pound weight loss that stems um, from self-love, and yeah, so that's just the basics about me. (laughs) I'm Allie, and um, I'm the other 50% of the Courageous Wellness Podcast, and I guess a little bit about my background um, and my journey is that I had a cancer diagnosis when I was 29, um, just a rare tumor on my back. And, uh, from that though, I really, um, dove into my own personal journey with nutrition and my own wellness practice. I was very fortunate, completely cancer free now. Um, but together we combined and created courageous wellness. I love how powerful and so different each of your stories are. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what wellness meant to you back then when you were first starting out and kind of how that's evolved? So, you know, for me, with having a weight loss journey, I had always tried to lose weight. Like, I always carried extra weight. I've I've always been an emotional eater. Food is very emotional for me. Um, But, you know, my wellness was really, like, for so much of my life, it was just, it was really about, like, deprivation and really about, like, going to the gym really hard and trying to lose weight to fit some... I don't even know, like when I get there, when I lose this weight, I'll be happier, right? Or like I'll, when I look different, I'll be happy. And so <laughs> that was, you know, 
definitely an unhealthy mentality and why as much as I tried to lose weight, it, it didn't happen for me, you know, through a lot of my um, life. And so it was finally when, you know, I, you know, I chant, I, I have a Buddhist practice and I started really chanting about like loving and treasuring myself um, that that finally really set in. So like wellness really began, like I, I love myself and I know now we have like body positivity movements and all that, but that wasn't, this was in gosh, like 2011. So Instagram wasn't what it was. There was, I wasn't seeing anybody who was like, I love myself as I am. So it really came from just internally going inward and being like, you know, your legs do so much for you every day. They carry you like food is nourishing you, you know, just from that place of chanting to love and treasure myself, I really began to love and treasure myself. And then naturally, right, when you love your and treasure yourself, I started exercising because I enjoyed it, not because it was punishment or to even lose weight. And um, yeah, so then like, honestly, I, I didn't even realize it was happening, but you know, 50 pounds fell off my body. And I know that sounds crazy, but I put on a jacket, I think like nine or 10 months later, and I was swimming in it. So, you know, wellness for me really became about like truly loving myself as I was. And then after I lost the weight, I started getting really into like, oh, I want to learn about like what food and exercise is doing for my body and how I can continue that self-love through nourishment um, with my choices. So that's kind of my wellness. That's kind of what wellness means to me. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think too, part of, you know, self-adore is really about that treasuring yourself, which is something that you said. And it goes beyond just the self-love. It's the self-respect that you started forming for yourself and realizing what that could actually feel like. So yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And let me just say, I love that you guys are putting that out there and that like self-adore, all these aspects of what you said, like it's not just self-love, that's sort of like a starting point, but from that, other things grow, like self-respect. And then when you have that, that also like translates into the way that you treat other people as well. Um, as far as my wellness journey, I've always been interested in food as fuel. Um, I've also always been interested in what it can do to like the like the biochemical aspect of it and the way that like it responds to your genetic makeup too. I remember um, trying out different things. This was before I got my diagnosis where I, you know, I would watch like um, documentaries and I would go pretty, I went pretty plant-based for a while. I also had skin issues in my early 20s um, that got so bad that I wound up figuring out that I had a dairy allergy and I removed that from my diet and my skin completely cleared up. So I've had sort of different experiences with how specifically nutrition um, has affected my body. But what shifted after my diagnosis was that like I was always like a really healthy, what I thought of as like really healthy kind of go lucky lady. I was a performer and I, you know, I would use my body, sometimes abuse it in ways like to have it do things for me because I, it was my instrument, whether it be vocally or physically demanding shows and stuff. Um, but I remember I was doing a show when I got the news that I did have this tumor and it was cancerous 
and I could barely see it from the surface because it was on the upper part of my back. Um, it almost just looked like a bruise and that's why it had gone undiagnosed for so long. But once it was, um, and knowing I was going to have to have surgery and just hearing that word is like a weird thing when you think you're like super invincible. Um, it changed my perspective. First of all, I had to do a few surgeries. So I was super fortunate in the sense that I felt really protected. Like I didn't have to worry about any other treatments. So that was incredibly lucky. But I remember being um, stapled up a couple times out for the count, like not being able to work because I couldn't do shows. I couldn't, you know, I had to take, I remember I had to call out of the show I was in and say, hey, this is going to be my end date because I have to go in for surgery. And the second time around, same thing, um, which was an unexpected surgery. And what it taught me was a couple things that I didn't anticipate. One was the appreciation, as Erica said, like when you go through something kind of drastic with your body, you all of a sudden have appreciation for what it can do. And I think I remember having that feeling like, wow, like I'm happy I can get up and walk in the morning. Like that is fortunate. Like we, you know, we sometimes don't frame it in that way that we take those things for granted. Um, So I think I had a newfound appreciation for it. I also had to be open to receiving the outpouring of love that I was getting from my community. And that's something I've actually never spoken to about, but I feel like it's um, relevant to your theme, your self-adore theme. And I didn't realize I had such a hard time receiving Mm -hmm. until I had to receive love and flowers and um, thoughts and kind gestures when I was not able to do things for myself. And that was really hard for me. So it taught me on some level, I don't think I was deserving of that. Like I remember like just like losing my shit um, because of the outpouring of love I was receiving. And that was like a really hard thing for me to accept. Really fascinating. And so that was definitely something that kind of emerged out of that. And then I also had different nutritional cravings when I was healing and learning to listen to my body in that way and, and acknowledge that. Sort of all of those things together really kind of spawned my interest in a new way of what it meant to take care of myself, um, take care of the body I have, and be kind to myself and to not take things for granted as much. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's so wow. beautiful. I really feel like for you, a huge part of it was your mindset yeah, shift. I was going to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because before, like you said, you took your body, your your abilities for granted. And I think it wasn't until you really experienced something so hard where you able, like your mind literally had a shift in how to accept love and to take care and to heal. And that is that's hard. It's a hard journey to, to go through. And then how do you think you kind of continued on? Did you, do you, was there a moment after you were starting to feel better that you decided like, I'm going to commit to wellness or did it kind of feel more of like a natural thing? You just felt like I'm called now to take care of myself. Um, to be honest, like the first thing was the listening and it was, (laughs) 
It was a very specific story that I talk about sometimes, but, and it's going to seem a little silly, but I hadn't had, you know, let me, let me preface this by saying, I think there's so many different ways to eat that work for different people. And I believe in sort of ethical practices as much as possible, but I had been vegetarian for four years at this point. Um, and when I was healing, guy was like, all I wanted <laughs> was a steak. Like literally I was sitting on the couch for two weeks and I just like steak was like screaming in my brain. I was like, okay. <laughs> I like didn't know I hadn't had a piece of meat in four years. And I went to the butcher <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Like I was standing in line at the butcher and I was like, oh, they're going to know, like, the, all the, I don't know, the vegetarian society out there or whatever, like, going to know I'm betraying it. And I ordered a piece of very, like, happy, grass-fed, grass-finished local farm cow. And um, one piece, like, I ordered literally just, like, a serving for myself. And I, I took it home and I cooked it. And I was like, I'm either going to get real sick from this or not. And I ate it and I felt amazing. And it wasn't that I became like a carnivore after that, but what it taught me in that moment was, wow, there's something inside of you that knows what you need. Your body is intelligent. And sometimes um, that takes precedence over all the other stuff. And if you do it, if you can acknowledge that in in as educated a way as possible, um... And that's something to listen to. And I felt amazing. My energy level increased. People around me, I started to co- incorporate a little bit of animal protein like back to my diet. I still don't do any dairy. But I know this is very specific as far as like nutrition goes, but that was sort of like how it transitioned for me um, into listening to myself. And that was a part of the whole thing with the cancer thing. Like I had been told by doctors that nothing was wrong with me for over a year. And I didn't listen to them ultimately I listened to myself and I kept at it and eventually I got the diagnosis and I was right so all I'm saying is it's like sort of a greater theme is that if you're telling yourself if your body is telling you something that can be emotional mental physical but we do have a very like intelligent gut right like Mm -hmm. that gut feeling it's for a reason and that sort of spawned my like new level of self-care even in performing and like I wasn't perfect with it I went on a contract in Japan for a year and a half and I beat my body up but I started to fuel it in a different way and try to be kinder when I needed to take a break and not just constantly push 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 which like in my field I think is common to do so I think that was a transition for me I love that. I love the power of intuitive eating, like you mentioned. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you kind of started to listen to those messages and if any messages, if you have any experiences with that as well? You know, um, I love everything Ali shared because I think this this concept of listening to yourself is is so important, but also so hard to do, right? Because we have so much noise and so many labels and, you know, Ali, you could have easily been like, no, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat steak, right? Like you could have done that. So I think, yeah. So I think when it 
goes to intuitive eating, you know, it's really complicated. And I know I'm not alone in the fact that so many people, including myself, have complicated relationships with food, right? Because we're told so many different things about what we're supposed to eat, what we shouldn't eat, um, what is healthy today is not healthy tomorrow. So, you know, I think for me, again, a big part of my practice has been going inward. So it's definitely not perfect. But the more I started educating myself and reading books about like um, the microbiome diet by Raphael Kalman, like really changed um, my life. Um, And it talks about like all the trillions right of little bugs that we have living in our gut that literally inform every decision we make like it informs our immune system it informs our mental health everything and they want these little bugs or I like geek out when I think about them but these little bugs like want to work for us right like they want to work for us they want us to be our healthiest and we have to fuel them so that they can really work for us. So really learning about what they like to eat has really informed what I, you know, intuitively go to. Like I've added a lot of like fermented food to my diet, um, a lot of like um, greens, right? Tons of fiber that they love to just chew up. But, you know, honestly, it's, it's still a process, right? Because sometimes I think the scary part of intuitive eating is like, what if I want a jar of almond butter, right? Like what if that is what my intuition is saying? And I found it's like, sometimes you do want like five scoops of almond butter and that's okay, right? It's, you are the sum of what you do most of the time, not what you do some of the time. And I'm trying to be kinder to myself in that way, but it is a process. And I think I learned the most about food fueling me when um, Ali and I did Whole30 together in January. And that really changed my relationship with food in a interesting way because I don't follow Whole30 or the protocol all the time. But it was really interesting because Whole30, you think, has a lot of restrictions, but actually you can eat as much as you want, right? So you don't have to restrict in that way. Like you can eat a jar of almond butter and that's Whole30, right? Like that's not the point. But for me, it was really freeing to not limit quantity, even though I, I try not to do that. But, you know, again, with my history, with diet culture and always, you know, and having lost weight and actually like obesity runs in my family. So it's something I'm, I'm conscious of. It was really freeing to be able to just eat as much as I want and then feel good and, you know, nourish my body because of that protocol. So, you know, for me, intuitive eating is still a journey and a process. And I think it's the best it is when I'm I'm really, the more I educate and learn about our bodies and what fuels us, I make better choices because, yeah, like I love, I think about the bugs all the time. It's so weird, but I do. I love those little bugs. Yeah. Yeah. She's always talking about her bugs. (laughs) (laughs) No, do you guys know that we have more bacteria in our guts than cells 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 in our body? I've heard that. And when you think about it like that, it's kind of crazy. It makes you want to know more. That's the thing. They're actually controlling, like when we talk cravings, right? Like I have cravings for whatever it may be, chocolate, junk food, et cetera. It's like, that's not actually you. Those are the bugs. If you keep feeding those bugs, that's what they're going to create. There's bad bugs and good bugs. Yeah. (laughs) There's bad bugs and good bugs. So, um, yeah, The Microbiome Diet was a really great book to read. Um, I also really liked Go With Your Gut by Robin Euclid. It was like an easier introduction to 
gut health. Um, she's great. She's a health coach. I really like her. Yeah, I have a question for you guys around intuitive eating. So I feel like there's so much pressure from other people, from social media, from just even family, friends, like your everyday activities where the pressure on eating too much or eating too little or like I remember recently my mom was visiting and she was like you're so thin like are you eating enough and and I am like I'm healthy and so I just feel like everyone has some sort of opinion about how much you should be eating even if it's like they don't mean it or it's accidental how do you on your wellness journeys how have you kind of quieted that noise Mm -hmm. to really just kind of tone it out and focus on what you need and not be consumed by those voices? That's a good question. Um, you know, sorry, I'm like breathing heavily into the mic (laughs) or, you know, even if like, even if, has it been hard? Like, is it hard to do that sometimes? Um, yes, yes. Yes, and, right? So yes, in the sense of I think it's hard in the amount of information we're exposed to. If we're specifically talking nutrition and diet, because like Erica had referenced earlier, like you can read one publication and have like four different conflicting things. Like one day coconut oil is the best thing for you and the next day it's like going to kill you and give you like heart disease, right? So it's like, and you have to like the way we can like tune that out or the way I've started to tune that out a little bit. And there's some great people out there, even on social media who are like are trusted in my opinion, have become like trusted resources. So you can use, find those people who are your guides, right? That you trust and you trust where their information comes from. But that's the first thing is like, where is this information coming from? Are they come, is it coming from scientific studies or scientific studies that are bought and paid for by big food or big pharma like you have to understand that is there an agenda behind the information you're consuming and that's kind of on a grand scale right like in social media or in news mostly in news publications as far as like family like closer community um you know like everybody's gonna have an opinion on this stuff and it's really charged it's a really charged topic because everybody has their own issues around it. Mm-hmm. So whether you're, whether you have like an emotional relationship with food or not, you probably do. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we all sort of do culturally. Like it could be your grandmother, or your mother being like, hey, are you eating? Like I come from an Italian family in New Jersey. Like, hey, what do you want? Is literally the first question when you walk through the door. It's like be trying to be force fed, you know? Like nothing is not, a, yeah, nothing is not an answer. You have to like say something. But um, I think it's like just figuring out what your resources are that you can trust and knowing that you too can trust yourself and like that's a hard place to get to and it doesn't stay it's not like a constant thing like the voices in my head kind of go crazy sometimes too and I don't even have historically like a a complex relationship with food but um I don't know this is a long-winded version or long-winded answer to your question but um I think just knowing that what works for someone else may not work for you and what works for you may not work for someone else. And oftentimes if they're asking questions, whether it's like your mother or whether it's your, like your friends or whether it's your information you're getting from the news or social media, 
Know that it's, whether it's being like paid for by a company, whether it's being projected by a social media influencer, it's all based on someone's personal experience, right? And so oftentimes even the questions they're going to ask you about food have to do with their relationship with it, not yours. And I think that's like something to come back to. Yeah, I found too, you know, something last year was a big year in like developing conviction in myself and conviction in my choices. Like Allie and I both went through really transitional 2018s and, you know, part of that was like, I really just wanted to get clear and alcohol wasn't serving me. So actually I gave up drinking for like four, four and a half months, like a really long time. And that was the first time I got like pushback from like Mm -hmm. anybody in my life about diet choices or, you know, like it was, it was very interesting to see how friends reacted to me being like, I just don't want to drink, you know, like it's, you know, and I don't drink a lot to begin with, but you know, when it's a social thing, right? Someone orders a bottle of wine, you get four glasses if there's four people at the table. So when I kind of removed myself from that, it was, it was uncomfortable because people were like, why? Like, why aren't you drinking? Oh, okay. And then, and like Ali's saying it, it's, it wasn't about what I was choosing to do for myself it triggered things in other people about their choices, right? And so I think for me, conviction is a really big theme in my life in every area. It's like whether you're going to start a podcast or start a business or eat a certain way or not drink, whatever it may be, you know, um, I think conviction is a really important element in like drowning out the noise because there's so much noise um, from people in your life too who love you, but, you know, it doesn't matter if they understand or not, as long as you deeply believe in what you're doing. So true. That. Wow. Ellie and I have had similar experiences recently. We've kind of took a break from drinking as well. And we've noticed that it is the social pressure when you go places. I have to sneak a kombucha in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> Pour it in matcha. the bag. Yeah, or like matcha, matcha shots. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it was more about like my anxiety and it really triggering the depression, the anxiety and the mental state of it. But I agree drinking is something that is so just common in culture and like it's so hard to shift people's mindsets about and it truly is like a projection of someone else's insecurities when they get upset about it. It really Mm -hmm. is. And it's a hard thing to give up too. Like it's easier to just be like, oh sure, like I'll have a glass of wine with you. Like, oh sure, that sounds great. That sounds fine. But it, it really takes self-respect mm-hmm. to say I'm I'm not I'm good like thanks and just to, to really be bold in that decision yeah and it's so interesting because anxiety was a big one for me yeah. too like um unfortunately coffee and alcohol both contribute to my anxiety so that's that's why you know I do drink now but I, I don't drink a lot because of that but you know it's it's like that double-edged sword right because drinking causes anxiety the next day but in the moment right mm-hmm. it could help with anxiety I'm doing air quotes on a podcast but like help with <laughs> You know, so it was interesting when I gave it up, um, you know, it was the summer. So there was a lot of social things going on. There were birthday parties and and it was a little uncomfortable to be the only sober person at a party. But actually it ended up like I left that summer feeling so great, so great. And yeah, it was my birthday in September, which is why my 30th birthday. So, of course, you know, we had a party. But, you know, that was the, you know, it, it really changed like my also my ability to be in social situations without alcohol was like a really big gift that 
came from that as well. Yeah, I think something beautiful about removing that barrier is that people get to kind of see who you truly are and like your personality kind of shines through. And once everyone else is a little loosened up, they won't notice. No one even notices. Yeah, no one cares (laughs) after everyone. They're like, they're not like, what are you drinking? They they just assume you are drinking, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, but that's powerful. Thank you for sharing your story. So we want to shift the conversation a little bit. We know that both of you met through Buddhism Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. So we'd love to hear kind of both of your journeys with that a little bit and then kind of dive into spiritual practices on top of that. Do you have rituals or routines that really set affirmations for you and get your mindset into a place of feeling like the best version of yourself? That's a good question. So for those of you that don't know, Erica and I actually met through um, practicing a form of Buddhism together. And um, we we chant, Nam-myoho Renge-kyo is the chant that we do. And it's we're part of like a lay organization. Um, and Erica, I'll let her tell her sort of tale with that. But I, um, I've started practicing about five years ago, and I went to a meeting that I like knew nothing about. I was sort of invited by a colleague. I dragged a friend because I had no idea what I was getting into. And long story short, Erica was a guest leader there because mm-hmm. she's been practicing her whole life, and um, and we met in that way. And then sort of the relationship slowly progressed over the last five years until we ultimately created this podcast together but um as far as the practice goes yes it is an incredible spiritual practice the idea is that we practice morning and evening chanting for ourselves and for others and with the ultimate goal of becoming happy and we believe that as individuals become happy in their own lives there will be more happiness spread amongst this planet so sort of like a very simplified version and ultimately that's how like the idea of world peace starts with the individual right Mm -hmm. and the individual transformation and that all people have the ability to become happy because we all hold this like buddha nature within ourselves so that's it a little bit in a nutshell but personally so i practice i chant in the morning and i chant in the evening and the structure of having a practice like that actually is a ritual in and of itself it creates um what's changed in my life since I started doing that is the discipline that um having something to go to a tool in the morning and the evening to start your day and to end your day with has really created sort of this like ritual and this um just sort of yeah this discipline in my day and it's it's a built-in time to be with myself and to kind of focus on anything I want to challenge in my life or give gratitude for in my life sort of this like time that's built in and sometimes you know I'm sure she can speak to this too sometimes there's resistance some days you don't want to do it it's sort of like going to the gym right for your soul but um, we all know that like sometimes like going to the gym or exercising in whatever way you do like you don't want to do it but it's never not a good idea you Mm -hmm. always feel better 100% of the time. And I would say that like my spiritual practice is like that. It's like this going to the spiritual gym and sometimes you like drag yourself kicking and, you know, screaming to do it. No one forces you to do it. You do it yourself. But like, it's never not a good idea for me, for my mental health and my 
even my physical health, you know, we chant, it's sound vibration. So it literally lifts the cells in your body. Like it, it literally creates something. If you're feeling down, it can physically move the energy in you. Um, other than that, I, so that's something that's consistent in my daily self-care and my daily spiritual practice. But I also try to incorporate physical movement, whether it's yoga or, um, a class or a nice long walk. I kind of ebb and flow with my exercise, like what I like to do. Um, that's probably the big component. And then part of our practice too is studying, studying some of like the Buddhist, um, writings and I find that reading like even just taking a little time out to read some sort of guidance or philosophy helps me reflect on what I want to do in my own life and how I want to challenge things in my own life Mm -hmm. so that's that's basically mine in a nutshell and then for fun because nutrition has become such a passion of mine I love to cook and that feels like artistic and also a part of my self-care um, and, and feels like, you know, just kind of something that grounds me. Really fueling the mind, body, really the yeah. mind, body and soul, yeah. which is, the, we say that all the time. And mind, you're body. literally yeah. raising your vibration. Literally through <laughs> vibration. It's cool. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a singer too. So I love, I love the aspect of the sound vibration. It works. Yeah, and you do it with your eyes open. So our chant, you know, is a is visual. So like so much of meditation is like, you close your eyes, right? But this is like, I think there is something powerful about chanting with your eyes open that I really resonate with. So mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like Ali said, um, I've been doing this my whole life. My parents have been practicing Buddhism for almost 40 years. So I grew up in a family that chanted and practiced Buddhism. And I always, I always loved it. You know, honestly, I don't think I had the rituals when I was a child because I was, you know, a child and a teenager, but, um, you know, now as an adult, I really appreciate having that as my basis. But yeah, um, and I think what's great too about it's really a full having a philosophy. It really like runs under everything I do and everything we do. I think it's so nice that we're able to share this philosophy as business partners um, because it's it's really grounding. And in the sense, you know, we're both so aware. You know, again that there's this concept of like relative happiness versus absolute happiness, right? So like relative happiness is the stuff, right? It's like the the career milestone or the car, the apartment, whatever it may be, but that's never going to last, right? So, you know, we, of course, like when I chant, I visualize with my eyes open the life I want and all of the things I want to bring into my life, but I also have this deeper understanding that that's never going to bring me ultimate happiness, right? Like my ultimate happiness is something that comes from inside of me and also comes from contributing to the betterment of the world around me, right? And so, and that's something, you know, the organization we practice with is called the Sokogaka International. And it really, like Ali said, it's really about world peace through the happiness of each individual person and then spreading happiness to all people. So yeah, and like Ali, I chant twice a day and that's a really grounding practice, but um, journaling is also a really important component for me. I journal a lot. (laughs) When I'm not journaling, I don't feel um, full. Um, I like to ground in nature, like putting my feet in the grass or the sand is really important for me too, Um, and some sort of movement. Um, Yeah, so chanting is like the basis and then from there, journaling 
grounding and some sort of movement and therapy. Therapy has helped me tremendously. It's, it's definitely a self-care ritual. I go once a week and it's helped me tremendously as well. I feel like you both do so much now and it's so cool to see you kind of flourishing in all the different areas but we are really interested in if there was a specific shift for you where you noticed that you started doing these things consistently or was it more about adopting certain things and they made you feel good so you kept going with them so how did you build out the wellness practices that make for me you it's feel something that like it can be exhausting, right? Like the idea of taking care of yourself. And I know you guys talk about this, right? Like it's so exhausting. And sometimes when you get home, the last thing you want to do is take care of yourself. You just want to sit and like watch Netflix. And sometimes that is self-care in that moment. Mm -hmm. But I think what helps me is, you know, I, I think I'm really fortunate that I grew up having a Buddhist practice. So it's, it's been ingrained in me and I've been doing it consistently for 12 years now. So it's, a morning and evening practice has been really ingrained in me. But if I'm not doing it intentionally, and I know you guys talk about intention a lot, it can feel like brushing my teeth. I can do the chant. It takes five minutes, you know, like without intention, right? So really thinking about the why I'm doing things has really, I think, changed was when I saw the shift, was like, what is my why behind this? And even in the evening, if I get home from a really busy day and a bunch of activities, I know I'm going to feel better if I take an Epsom salt bath and drink chlorophyll water and actually use your honey and bee roll facial rollers that are yeah. in my refrigerator. You know, like I know that's going to make me feel better. So it's worth it to do for myself. So, you know, I think the shift really came from like, not like I should do this, but I want to do this because I'm going to feel better. And you can't take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. I'd also say... You know, it, it's been a gradual process for me, but having a podcast where we have now consistently been interviewing people for over a year about all different forms of wellness from products they've created because of their own health journeys to financial you know, wellness. But yeah, everything, financial wellness, spiritual wellness, you know, the whole the whole picture, right? We've gotten to interview so many people and we've continued to get busier. And so what really was a bit of a wake up was when I'm like, okay, we're building this business and that's growing around this idea of wellness and what that means to each individual person. But like mine really started to slip my own self care because we got so busy and, and more and more responsibilities get put on your plate. And then some of those self care things like go out the window, right? Like the reality is, and I decided one day I was like, I can't, try like I'm trying not to be hypocritical in like that we're we're creating this space in this conversation that a lot of people are responding to but I'm gonna walk my walk as best like I can walk, walk my talk yeah. as best I can because it was the first thing to go for sure the busier we got it's like I stopped exercising and I'm like I'm just grabbing this thing on the run like in some days you have to do that but to know that like if we're spending our life working on this thing that is promoting this self-care, wellness, whatever you want to label it as, and I'm not doing that, <laughs> like that's not okay. <laughs> so that's when it clicked for me that it's like this has to be priority in my life. 
Yeah, we can relate to yeah. that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. We'll be burnt out after a long day. And yeah. then we, you remind me all the time, like, you run a self-care company. Yeah, like, take you a need step to back. go to a yoga class yeah. and chill. And- yeah, so true. We also really believe that you meet people and people come into your lives and you experience different energies that people give and receive when you're meant to receive them. Mm-hmm. And and so it's just amazing how you two came into each other's lives at such a special time mm-hmm. and how you've clicked and how you've been there for each other. So, you know, as friends and as business partners, is there anything that you do to specifically check in with each other or hold each other accountable for doing these wellness practices that you know will make each other feel better? Do we? (laughs) You know, I think what's really great is I really trust Allie. (laughs) I'm like not looking at you, but I really trust Allie so much. And that trust is like the most important I feel like thing because I I have anxiety you know like I've touched on and I can be really real with Allie and be like hey I'm having an anxious moment right now like and she'll pull me back down to earth you know or she too you know because even if you don't have anxiety which I don't think you suffer from severe anxiety but you can, can experience it. you can experience it especially when your business is growing right so we have been really good we've been really fortunate to not have freakouts at the same time. So like if I'm freaking out, Allie's pretty calm. And if she's freaking out, I'm pretty calm. But, you know, through that, we've really learned, like, I think what we support each other in the most is like never making decisions, be it in the business or in our personal lives based on fear. And I think that's where we really hold each other accountable, whether it's, again, it's the podcast or it's, the business or it's just our relationships and our friendships and different things going on that we feel overwhelmed about um yeah I think that's where we hold each other accountable the most I would agree with what she said <laughs> yeah I do think there's like this natural checks and balances thing that luckily no like no one's had a breakdown at the same time so that's mm-hmm. been really fortunate plus we also have this philosophy that we share right mm-hmm. like this Buddhist practice at the core of both of like how we strive to, to live our lives and so when we are like when one of us goes to like a place of fear or whatever which is inevitable you're going to but there's something that both like a language that both of us have that we speak and can understand um through our spiritual practice that we can kind of call on Mm -hmm. and and sort of again ground or like bring someone back down to earth with and that's just like that's a fortunate thing of of having had that prior to starting this and obviously we didn't know it was going to come into play in the way that it did but it's been a real gift to have as a part of our business partnership too do you have any advice for someone who may not have someone that can be that person for them on their wellness journey like how do you find someone that you click with connect with can trust do you have any ideas on how someone you know, can it, start it takes time right to develop relationships and Ali and I knew each other for now we've known each other for five years but last year we only knew each other for four years and we were not as close right so it took it takes time to develop these relationships um but I do think you know whatever your practice may be you know in the past like I I chant, right? So I chant about the type of relationships I want to cultivate in my life. I chant about the type of person I want to be. I think I always, again, like 
for me, a big part is going inward, but it's, it's like, if I want these types of friends or business partners or relationships, I have to be that person too. I can't just expect someone is going to be that person, right? So that's something that's really helped me um, journaling. It's crazy when I go back into old journals and I journaled about podcasting and all this stuff and I, I don't even remember writing it down. So I think, you know, but of course, like whenever action is, is in that, right? Like then you take action. But yeah, I think I think a lot of it starts, right, with like visualization. For me, it was chanting. And yeah, and it just, it takes work, you know, like Ali and I, our friendship really developed after, you know, I invited her to work out with me and I didn't, I, I told her, <laughs> I told her this recently, I didn't know if I was going to ask her because like we weren't like the closest of friends and it's kind of personal to sweat with somebody <laughs> and I, you know, but, but it, it takes courage and I think that's why, you know, we called our podcast Courageous Wellness is because all this takes courage to like make that first step and reach out and have friend dates and see if you vibe and and just remembering you're the prize like the other person that of course the other person is the prize too and the treasure as well but I think we look at things right like when it comes to dating right we hear all the time like like the guy's not the prize you're the prize but in every situation in life whether it's like if some you're the treasure and if you really treasure and love yourself you're gonna eventually attract people who do that as well yeah and um I would say so that's like Erica has really good advice on how to do that like in your personal life but if you're on a wellness journey and you're you don't really know where to start or like I was saying before like who to trust or what information to trust right and there's so we're so bombarded by so much like again this also takes time but take some time to find out who you vibe with like from an information perspective you know I I have a couple podcasts that I love and I trust the, I trust the sources and I, you know, and, um, it's just something that like I can continue to go to and I will be like, okay, well the host is really credible to me. So I'm going to do a little bit more research into this guest who's talking about this subject. And so it does take time investment, but I would say, you know, it's like a brand, right? You ultimately, if you can do a little bit of research on the upfront, if you can trust what they're providing, then you then you can like move forward in that and not have to constantly be like overwhelmed by all the options all the time. Yeah, we 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 love that. Um, okay, so both of you know so much about wellness, so much about health, so much about self care, self love. Like you guys. You do it all, you've tried it all, and we want to pick your brain a little bit. Mm -hmm. So give us your, we want to hear from both of you, so give us your morning routine. Set it up from like the second your eyes are peeled open, like what do you do, <laughs> what products do you have, or yeah, if you don't have one, like what is your morning like and how do you set yourself up to Rolling out of bed. Great. <laughs> um, okay, I don't do this every day obviously and but when I do it I feel my absolute best um but my goal is um I I'm Allie and I are also both really naturally early risers which is a fantastic thing in a partnership but um you know I, I wake up naturally really early so I don't need to set an alarm I actually really don't like alarms because I think they create anxiety honestly so I usually don't set an alarm and I still wake up around like seven every morning, give or take. And 
Um, my goal is not to look at my phone for the first hour I'm awake. So that's like the biggest part of my morning routine that makes the biggest difference in my day. And during that hour, I drink water. Um, sometimes I use rose water. Sometimes I put lemon in. Sometimes I just drink water, I brush my teeth, wash my face. Then I go sit down and I chant. And it can be anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. And I really center myself. And then I'll go look at my phone. And I find when I do that, I'm approaching all the text messages, all the emails, everything that came in (laughs) really early. So like I usually, I try not to look at my phone an hour before I go to bed either. So if I plug in my phone at 8 or 9 p.m., I usually wake up with a lot of text messages or emails. So I find that when I've done that, when I've when I've hydrated myself, when I have chanted, and when I've washed my face and brushed my teeth, that I am better at approaching whatever my day is going to throw me. My life condition is exponentially higher. And then I will either go work out. I love a morning workout. I will go spinning or Pilates, and then um, I will journal one or the other. So that's kind of on my best day, my morning routine. But always my goal is not to look at my phone for the first hour and that makes the biggest difference in my mental health I am not as disciplined yet (laughs) with the phone thing because I have not I actually wake up pretty early too like nationally around 6 30 or maybe 7 um but I do set my alarm on my phone which I don't usually need like like Erica said like I wake up naturally but it is just an in-case thing and honestly, having to answer this is now making me like inspired to just go on Amazon and order an alarm clock. I've been meaning to do it and I just haven't done it because I really don't like that being the first thing I look at. But I do roll out of bed and usually go to chant um, right away and or actually make a pit stop in the kitchen first and make myself an espresso. It just is my joy in the morning (laughs) and I know I'm supposed to drink water first because I do feel better when I hydrate but that usually if I'm being realistic doesn't happen or it happens at the same time like I'm trying to get better like I pour myself a glass of water while I'm drinking my coffee but I I love my coffee I always have it's like the New Yorker in me um and then I'm drinking my coffee while I'm chanting and that I love that um, yeah, and then I'll get up, you know, wash my face, brush my teeth, um, maybe make a little breakfast or make a smoothie. I like a, a nice smoothie in the morning. I've been trying to do more exercise outside. So I've been doing like Santa Monica stairs, which I love, or trying to do like a long walk, whether it be by the beach or, you know, um, I enjoy that getting some fresh air and it doesn't happen every day, but um, trying to fit that in in the morning I find typically that when I make exercise like a priority earlier in the day before all the work stuff starts it gets done oftentimes if I go straight into like hopping on the computer or running to wherever I'm working that day it's like by the time I was supposed to go to dance class with a friend last night and I was so tired and not like I just crashed like I didn't do it So that's something I'm very well aware of, like trying to get out because I'm a natural morning person. The more I can do first thing, the better. Um, Sometimes I'll use my roller. (laughs) And that's really nice, especially when I feel puffy. It's just like also keeping it in the fridge. It's like a nice wake up cooling. Um, 
Yeah, I keep it pretty simple. I don't have like a big cosmetic routine. I just wash my face. I use a nice like beauty counter moisturizer or um, if we're getting specific with like that kind of part of the morning routine, our little like tinted SPF from Beauty Counter. They have some great stuff, um, really clean, clean stuff. I've been slowly trying to like clean up my routine, which has actually really simplified it. Um, I don't wear a ton of makeup on a daily basis. A little bit I'll throw on sometimes, but yeah, and that's sort of then get dressed and get out. A product I really love too, and it's it's a splurge, but it, it's part of like I feel so cared for when I use it because I splurged on it. <laughs> is the uh, Vintner's Daughter Serum? I don't know if you guys have tried it. It's um it's it's clean. It's all clean ingredients, and she um I think her father like owned a winery like from so it's all like she's from Napa and it's very but it it's all um active botanicals and oils and it literally makes your skin glow mm-hmm. so when I do it first thing in the morning I feel like a goddess um <laughs> a good but, yeah but goddess. like I said it's a product recommendation but it's a splurge so I, I only use it I use it sparingly <laughs> what's it called again Vintner's daughter and she I think she just came out with her second she only had one product for years and now she has a second but the one I use is the original. thanks for sharing love how you guys it's so simple but you guys really do prioritize the mindset which is something that mm-hmm. Ellie and I find non-negotiable yeah. it's like you have to set yourself up yeah keeping mm-hmm. your mind clear until you've taken care mm-hmm. of yourself for you it sounds like you both hydrate you move your body you see the sun like you maybe get outside you have your spiritual practice, and then your mind is ready to tackle the rest of the day. We feel that too because I think that, you know, you can't, you really cannot give your best energy to anything mm-hmm. if you don't set up your mornings. Mm-hmm. That's like such yeah. a big thing. Okay, we have a few more juicy questions for you. Okay, <laughs> this is the fun part. What are your top three tangible tips for boosting a wellness journey, no matter where you're at? Yeah, no matter where you're at. First thing is where whatever like realm of your wellness that you want to like shift something in, like baby steps do matter. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to go huge or go extreme whether that's like your nutrition maybe just like add in an extra serving of vegetables a day like that's it you know or add in an extra glass of water a day like you don't start small yeah um same thing with I guess that can be applied to anything like exercise like you don't have to if you don't usually exercise but you want to move like go take a walk doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be a long time you know you can take 15 minutes in the morning and just move your body and it's like all that stuff matters and and it's not like nothing happens we were talking about this in the context of the podcast but nothing happens um quickly to be honest, like the fastest way to success in anything is slowly. (laughs) And that's hard in a culture where we're constantly bombarded with like, you know, instant gratification. But like anything that's going to be lasting is going to be like little steps over time. And, um, so that's like one, I guess that's like one piece of advice. Do you have number two? I have, I have, (laughs) I think, you know, when I was really beginning, I, Like, I think podcasts are a really great resource and finding people you connect with. You know, like, Allie and I love Kelly Levesque. Like, it actually was one of the first bonding things in our friendship, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and we love her. So, 
when I was like starting to dive into nutrition and eating, I listened to like every podcast Kelly Levesque was on. I couldn't tell you what they were called, but I, I definitely listened to them. You know, so it's like, I think when you're in that world world of learning, podcasts are a great resource. Books are a great resource. Um, yeah, like podcasts especially if you don't feel like you have time to read like I think oftentimes people sort of like excuses as to why it's hard to get into a wellness routine is like lack of time yeah right people are busy they have kids they have like jobs they have a ton of things to do so if if like the idea of a podcast is maybe not as um intimidating as a book as a book but I think that's where I learned like things like adding sauerkraut or like you know real fermented krauts to my meal you know and I think that's that's the biggest thing I think adding things as opposed to taking things away is is like the best thing to start so like adding a podcast adding a glass of water adding a walk you know just those are only two things but does that count (laughs) okay yeah perfect perfect okay so what are your favorite healthy foods meals maybe snacks I think um a lot of our audience kind of has this idea that they are so busy and don't really have the time to make themselves healthy things. So what can you say to like spice those things up? I love to bake. (laughs) I really love to bake. And I love to bake easy, quick, healthy treats. And it's actually really simple. So, you know, like I just made the kale junkie tahini chocolate chip cookies that, you know, have been all over Instagram for me at least. I've seen them ever. So I was like, I'm going to make these. And it took me like 10 minutes, really. And then you just have to freeze the dough and then bake them. It, it's so simple. So I think for me, um, one of my favorite things to make that's healthy or like, because I love sweets, is mm-hmm. healthy baked food. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love fermenting fairy uh, lemon ginger sauerkraut. It's so good it's so good she's amazing also I love her uh lemon ginger are they what are they the the lemonades they're probiotic lemonades lavender lemonades lavender lemonades um yeah (laughs) gut health I like to feed my bugs um yeah so (laughs) so those are those are some of my favorite um snacks all my they're gross I love natto it's a fermented soybean that tastes horrible but I mean I think it tastes delicious most people think it tastes horrible I'm like the worst with so baking, I like to bake healthy, delicious chocolate chip cookies that, you know, are refined sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, and taste better than the alternative, I think. What about you? Yeah, I would say like on the run, kind of like easy things for me, because I love to cook, but the reality is I don't always have the time to do it. Um, so one thing for like a healthy meal, oh Yeah, we have like a lot of things that we love. One thing for a healthy meal that I love is um, having an Instant Pot. It really, like you can cook, I mean, it's not a snack on the go, but if it's like a meal that you want a really good meal, only like real foods throw it in, you can cook like a whole pot of chicken and veggies in like 15, 20 minutes. Like it's it's a pressure cooker. So you can get meals for a couple days. So that's an awesome thing to have. Um, Just, I think... Simplify whole foods. Grab an apple. Like I ate a whole avocado at Ali's apartment exactly. this morning, and I just put sea salt on it. I just like brought an avocado with me. Yeah, it's and a not. Knife. It's not a weird thing to do. <laughs> it may seem weird, but like, think, think, is it from the earth? Cool. It's a good snack. 
you know. But I think, you know, along this conversation, you know, I think there's so much pressure, right, to eat healthy. And, like, something I always like to think about, too, is, like, joy is a nutrient. So, like, thinking about the joy in terms of whatever you're choosing, it's, like, if you're going to eat French fries and you're going to be stressed about eating French fries, that's so much worse than, like, eating French fries with joy. Mm -hmm. So I always just try to, whatever you eat, eat with joy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you're going to eat those French fries, just enjoy them. Yeah. Good tips. We'll take some of those. Yeah. You, she just got some sauerkraut the other day. Oh, yeah. I haven't so. opened the jar, though. <laughs> I you know, eat it, it by bubbles. the I, I literally, like, I think about all the bugs. Okay, sorry. I'm last time talking about bugs. But I think it's like they're going in there and they're, like, working for your body. So it's really cool to eat living things. I, like, mentioned the bugs to my mom on the phone the other day. And she's like, I can't talk about that. Because she, like, just did not like the analogy of bugs. Yeah. We would love to kind of dive into self-adore and how that looks for you both. So what moments did you have this week that you would consider to be self-adoring? You know, this week I've been actually really tired. Like I've been like so physically exhausted and I've had really bad brain fog. Um, And so a moment of self and I, I, a moment of self-adore for me was giving myself permission to slow down and not exercise. So I know that's like <laughs> probably strange because, you know, I I really like to exercise. I really like, I really love cardio. Um, I just enjoy it. But I was doing it and I felt really tired afterwards. And I was just like, this isn't serving me. So um, a big moment for me this week was just not exercising at all this week and sleeping in and being okay with, I'm going to, I'm going to, sleep until nine and realize that that's such a privilege I have this morning and be kind to myself about that instead of just pushing myself to go hard and then today is Friday and I worked out for the first time today and um all week and I felt great because I had given myself that permission so um mine was probably sort of the opposite I've been um I had been way more relaxed with my like physical activity because I had been going through some digestive stuff earlier this year, and I really didn't feel um, I didn't feel good doing it, and so I like really kind of uh, lessened my routine. But then I was getting to the place where I felt yucky, not not exercising as much, and so I think just again like listening, going, bringing back again this week, I decided to get up and out and take a three mile walk one morning and I felt amazing and like it was adding it back in um and taking the time to do that and listening listening to what I wanted and listening to what I needed and doing that it's like very simple but really made a difference and I can feel it in my mindset too the clarity it feels really good again to get moving so you both are so good at tuning into what you need mm-hmm. that seriously takes yeah practice yeah I'm being honest with that <laughs> <laughs> but like the forgiveness too because I think there is so much pressure to get up and work out yeah. like and if yeah. you're not then you're lazy or like that's just something that we're told and I think the practicing the forgiveness for yourself to take care, like to take good care, I think is um, hard to do. Well, yeah, I think so many times wellness gets a bad rap, right? Like it's just diet culture in a pretty wellness bow. But I actually think like the true meaning of wellness for me is listening to yourself and being comfortable with your decisions. That's wellness. If you educate yourself and you make choices based on your intuition and your gut, 
then whatever you're doing is wellness, you know, for you. We have something called a self-adore intention. And we like to, at the end of every episode, invite our audience and our listeners to consider something for the week ahead. So we'd love to extend that to you both. What is a a self-adore intention that you each can take into your week? I think mine for the week ahead, you know, continuing this, like being kind to myself and giving myself permission to slow down is the intention I really want to keep in the week ahead and beyond exercise, you know, with my food choices, you know, if nourishing my body with the foods I crave and want to eat and, and it's okay if I don't exercise every day, it's just really giving myself permission to be kind and compassionate and caring to my whole self. Um, Mine is to take a little more time this week to cook for myself because I love doing it and my fridge has been empty for days and I finally went because I've just been running, running, running and I went grocery shopping early this morning finally and I love having like a fridge full of food. It makes me feel so just, I don't know, it makes me feel happy and I have like I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that, right? Um, there are so many people out there who are food insecure. And so like, I really have, I'm really grateful for just like the ability to go buy fresh, fresh groceries, sorry, I can't speak, fresh groceries, um, for myself. And so I just want to take a little bit more time to, to prep and to nourish myself because I really enjoy that. It's like, it's really artistic and relaxing for me. And I haven't been doing much of it. So this week, I'd like to at least prepare one nice meal for myself. Mm. That's cute. Lovely. I love that. Can't wait to see what you make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah share it. <laughs> okay, so before we wrap up, um, we love to you know extend the resources that have worked for you both to our audience. So any book recommendations, podcast recommendations, even like relaxing recommendations, a, a TV show you're loving right now, anything, give it, give it to us. <laughs> Okay, so if you listen to the Courageous Wellness Podcast, you know I am obsessed. My favorite um, podcast is The Doctor's Pharmacy, F-A-R-M-S-E, hosted by Dr. Mark Hyman, has awesome guests on it, and incredible, like, information about what's going on with, like, just, like, the food system, stuff I kind of get nerdy about. It's it's a little sciencey, but I think it's really accessible to all people. It like, it's not – you don't have to be super into, like, the medical world or the food system or, like, you know, the political side of it all. Um, it's just really informative, really great guests. So that's my podcast recommendation. I'm going to go books because I reading is a big form of self-care for me. I really I enjoy reading, um, especially before bed. Um, so I've mentioned the microbiome diet a hundred times. It's so fascinating. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I'm going to recommend Body Love by Kelly Levesque mm-hmm. because we both uh, really love that book and it's so digestible. Um, Genius Foods by Max Lugavere was all about the food and brain connection and how the food we eat affects our brains, which was um, really fascinating. And then I'm also just going to say I'm totally in a Gilmore Girls hole. I'd never watched it before. And so that's my TV recommendation. I love it. Gilmore Girls. My TV right now is Big Little Lies. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And I also just watched um, Tales of the City on Netflix, which is really – 
it's not like the best made TV show ever, but like the cast is awesome and the content is really cool and it go, it explores um, some of the history of like the LGBTQ community in San Francisco. And I really thought that was just really interesting and, and fun. It's a fun show too. So I just watched that. Thank you guys. Love it. So where can everyone find you? Tell us where to find you on social, website. So on Instagram, we are at Courageous Wellness. And then if you want to get in touch with us or listen to our episodes, we're everywhere podcasts can be found. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. And you can also contact us on our website, which is CourageousWellnessPodcast.com. Amazing. Thank you both so, so much. You have such beautiful insight and the two of you together. Yeah, like your energy. Dynamic. Well, we feel the same about Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> For anyone listening, if you haven't listened to these lovely ladies, they yeah. were on the Courageous Wellness podcast as well. So. Thank you so much for spending time with us. <laughs>